Okay. Now, we, we left off here in, in Luke. That was the last thing. Notice, just pick it up, the last couple of verses in Luke 11. Oh, remember, he's on his way to Jerusalem. I mean, he's, he's so on the way that a, a town in Samaria wouldn't even accept him because he had his face like, I'm on the way to uh, Jerusalem. So in verse 53, the Pharisees and legal experts were furious. Well, because look what he just said. Woe to you experts in the law. You hide the truth. Was, he basically said, y'all are a bunch of empty tombs full of dead men's bones. And they're supposed to be the holy people. Well, they were. remember, Jesus was on their case. It's not like they were missing it a little bit. They were missing it a lot. They were deceiving the people. It was just, it was uh, so um, trying to be, they had their own politics going here. The Pharisees and legal experts were furious. From that time on, they, they plied him fiercely with a host of questions, trying to trap him into saying something for which they could have him arrested. They were not trying to test him and see if he was really the Lord. No, they hated him. Man, they hated him. Okay, chapter 12. Meanwhile, look at this. The crowds grew until thousands upon thousands. You know, it's like I say, you don't have to understand. It takes something Billy Graham said. We don't have to understand Jesus. We just got to believe. And we have to believe a lot of things. We have to believe my next breath, I'm going to have air, you know. Look at this. There were literally thousands upon thousands. Well, there were. If you, if, we, if you followed along reading the newspaper articles about Jesus, which is what this was, you know, we were already up to chapter 12. It only goes to 24, so we're halfway there. The miracles he did were just amazing. Anyway, uh, and, they're, and crushing each other. He turned to, now to his disciples and warned them more than anything else. Beware. Look, boy, what's he after those church folks for? No, it's really not our church, but I'm just saying... He's supposed to know. Beware of the Pharisees and the way they pretend to be good when they aren't. But such hypocrisy cannot be hidden forever. It'll become evident as, the yeast, as yeast and dough. Whatever they have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in the inner room shall be broadcast from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid. Look at this. Oh, I'm just so scared of those guys. Those guys, and I know. If it weren't for Jesus... I'd need more than nine millimeters. <laughs> I'd be, I, you'd just see me, I'd be doing everything I could think of, you know, because of evil people out there. But look at this. Dear friends, don't be afraid of these who want to murder you. They can only kill the body. They have no power over your souls. Look at this. But I tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill, then cast into hell. Wow. Yeah, but if you're dead, you're dead. No, apparently not. Uh-uh. Look at this. What is the price of five sparrows? A couple of pennies. Not much more than that. Look at this. Yet God does not forget a single one of them. I remember as a kid, you ride a bike. You see a lot of things on the road. <laughs> Dead things. Ooh, that robin got it. That squirrel got it. Look at this. Not one of them. He didn't forget one of them. Mm. Anyway. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. Never fear. Look at this. For you are far more valuable to him than a whole. Look at that. A whole flock. Wow. I tell you, you have to read the Bible to know that God loves you. You can't read how you feel every day. You've got to read your Bible. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Remember, Jesus said that. So don't go by your feelings here. Well, I wonder if God loves me today. More than a whole flock of sparrows. Anyway. I assure you this, I, the Messiah, will publicly honor you in the presence of God's angels if you publicly acknowledge me here on earth as your friend. All right, there's something we can do. Well, I don't think any of us here are bashful about Jesus, so we're glad to do that. But, okay, since we are glad to do it, look what we have to look forward to. Publicly honor you in the presence 
of a bunch of fake beings. They're not fake. Woo, they're glorious. I was thinking about when David killed Goliath, you know, some people don't believe. Well, you know, it was not the jolly green giant. It was not Jack and the Beanstalk. It was, this giant was just over nine feet tall. Man, if I was making this story up, he'd be 25 feet tall. <laughs> hey, let's just go 100 here. <laughs> He's 100 feet tall, you know. And no. And where did those giants come from? When we were just talking a few minutes ago, remember the flood hit in chapter 5. Well, Noah started building the ark. And it was because the earth was so corrupt. And the evil beings, the, the scripture says, started taking uh, the daughters of men, now there's women down here on earth, and started having relations with them, you know, married to them, whatever. And it says that's where the giants came from. Say, how can that be? Well, hang on a second. How can you have the Holy Spirit overshadow Mary and Mary have a child if you're not going to believe that over there? Well, what part of the Bible we're not going to believe? You know, the resurrection? Uh, Moses never did split the Red Sea. You know, I mean, God never did. See how it goes? It's just, it's, it's all he didn't do any of it or all he did it all, praise the Lord. So if the scripture says, and we don't understand all of it, but we just know it, it, just, it gave a pretty good detail there where the giants came from. And that's why those giants were, matter of fact, when Moses was almost to the promised land, they were finishing up the 40 years, and boy, they wiped out two kings. One king was a giant, and they said they kept his bed. It was over 12 foot long. I think this is recorded in Deuteronomy. Could be in Numbers at the very tail end, but I think it's Deuteronomy. Uh, so his bed, the scripture says in Deuteronomy or Numbers, was over 12 foot long, and they kept the bed to keep in a museum. That's because they were like, whoa, this guy was huge. Mm-hmm. One of David's cousins killed, remember the story of one of his mighty men? One of David's cousins killed Goliath's brother who had six fingers on one hand and another extra toe or something. Well, let's just give him a dozen. Let's just make it not. No. Wow. It's actually very easy to see these things are real. So anyway, he says, if you confess me before my father, I'll, confess, I'll honor you in the presence of my angels, of the God's angels. If you acknowledge me here on earth, look at this. Look at that phrase, as your friend. He didn't say as your Lord or as you know. He's as your friend. Wow. Oh, but I'll deny you before the angels, those who deny me here among men. Yet those who speak against me may be forgiven, while those who speak against the Holy Spirit, you can just forget it. Don't worry about that. When we hear about the unpardonable sin, you know, don't worry. It won't be you. You go back and you look it up yourself and you'll figure out what it is. You don't need a preacher to tell you what that is. You completely say, I don't want Jesus, I don't want Jesus, I don't want Jesus, and you're casting, but actually what triggered it, Jesus cast demons out of somebody, and the guy goes, well, he's doing that because he's got the power of the devil in him. How far are you going to get accusing Jesus that he's full of the devil instead of sent by God? So how could it ever be forgiven? You don't want a part of it. Anyway, something along those lines. When you are brought before trial, before these Jewish rulers and authorities in the synagogues, don't be concerned about what to say in your defense. For the Holy Spirit will give you the right words even as you're standing there. And that's happened in our lives already. You know, where did that come from when you were talking to somebody? Yeah, that's because Jesus is your friend. He's right there with you. Then someone called from the crowd. Sir, please tell my brother to divide my father's estate with me. See, again... John must have remembered this. Well, Luke did, the writer, whatever. He heard about it, wrote it down. Remember, he put all these things together. He compiled this. Okay. Jesus replied, man, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? But, oh, he had a good opportunity to tell us something 
Beware, don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. This is good, you know, because we can always strive to want to, if I just make more money here, or if I was, wish I had that guy's Cadillac, you know, wish I had this, I wish I had that. And I'm 61, so however much of my life has already been used up, I can see a track record looking back. And I just see how the Lord has blessed me so great. And it's not because I got lucky a few times. It's not. Even thankful for my grandparents who knew Jesus on my mom's side and my dad's side. Mom's side, because see, my dad met my mom at, as young people at a Baptist church. So my dad's side, were, he was, his, my granddaddy was a preacher, my grandmother was a piano player or whatever, and Sunday school teacher, and my mom's side was the same. Anyway. Okay, uh, then he gave an illustration. A rich man had fertile farm that produced fine crops. Okay, what's up with this? In fact, his barns were, were full to overflowing. He couldn't get everything in. He thought about his problem and finally exclaimed, I know, I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room. And I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Wine, women, song for you. But God said to him, fool, tonight you die. You know, I tell you, in our society, we don't want to hear about dying. We don't want to think about dying. Or if we do, we have our own imagination. We'll, we'll have these, sometimes, you know, we got funerals now where they have celebrate life things. Well, that's fine. I, I got that for Christians, absolutely. But they do the same thing for the others, too. They think they're just, this guy was such a great guy, and now he's in another life. And I heard on a movie I was watching last night, he says, well, um, maybe, uh, maybe we'll see each other again in the next life. Well, there's some conditions on that. <laughs> you got to have a redeemer just as I am. You know, if God made us, of course, we know he did. If God made us, then we're responsible to find out what he wants to do with us. You know, what does he want me to do with my life? Well, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, well, mm. Fool, tonight you die. Then who will get it all? Yes, every man is a fool who gets rich on earth, but not in heaven. Man, it was just all about his riches. Then turning to his disciples, he said, don't worry about whether or not you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. Boy, that's, he really got right down to the daily stuff. You know, I was picking out a shirt this morning. Do I want this one? Do I want this one? Do I want this one? Which shirt do you want to wear? I chose this one, you know. But we think about these things. Life consists far more than food and clothes. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or have barns to store away their food, yet they get along just uh, all right. Isn't that something? They really do. Hey, Huntsville's not feeding these birds out here. You don't see in the news saying, we're running out of food for the, for, for the birds, you know. <laughs> they don't even mention it. Again, that proves Jesus' point here. And I tease people about going, man, it's so cold. We got to get, got to get your dog in. I said, well, make sure you get the coyotes in too, you know, and the raccoons, they need to come in, you know, <laughs> they're going to be fine, you know, <laughs> they're worried about them. <laughs> You're far more valuable to him than any birds. Look at that again, far more valuable. No, he's mad at us. No, he's not. And besides, what's the use of worrying? What good does it do? That's like we say when we see stuff on the news and whatever and the, whatever, you know, you just can't let it get to you. It's hard not to. But you got to let it go. Will it add a single day to your life? Of course not. And if, if worry can't even do such little things as that, what's the use of worrying over the bigger things? Yeah. Now watch where he goes with this. This is actually the same thing you see in Matthew chapter 6. Look at the lilies. And now he's going to bring up somebody historical that we know never lived. 
And it has something to do with what we were talking about a few minutes ago. David. Who is this guy? It's David's son, Solomon. Who he had with, oh my God, Bathsheba. Oh. It didn't seem to stop Solomon. It's all mercy. Look at the lilies. They don't toil and spin. Look at this. Yet Solomon in all his glory. Boy, we could go a mile here. Because Solomon was the richest and the wisest. He got it all from Jesus too. He was not robed as well as they are. I remember when the Queen of Sheba in the Living Bible, when she came up and she said she saw all of his butlers, all of his in beautiful uniforms, and all of the tables spread and stuff. She was amazed when she saw Solomon. And he said, hey, Solomon and all this, he was not robed as well as these guys. Now, guess what the Lord's going to promise you? Not to be dressed like Solomon, but to be dressed like that. And he's going to say, we don't believe him. Here we go. Let's read. If God provides clothing for the flowers that are here today, look at this, they're gone tomorrow. What a waste. Don't you suppose that he'll provide clothing for you, you doubters? (laughs) No, guilty. Praise God. I'm not going to worry, Lord. I'm just not going to worry. And don't worry about food, what to eat or drink. Don't worry about all that. God will provide. Of course, I mean, I didn't know. I found out last Friday we lost the contract. So I had one week to either dig a hole and worry and let Jesus call me a doubter. I mean, he loves me. Or I could trust the Lord. And I praise God, I was so tickled. God just took care of all that. Don't worry about food, what you're to eat or drink. Don't worry at all that God, uh, don't worry at all that God will provide it for you. Look at this, all mankind scratches for its daily bread. <laughs> yeah, they're worried. Remember when the manna came down? The Lord told Moses, tell the people, manna will be out there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, whatever. And, but pick enough on the day before the Sabbath and then don't pick any on the Sabbath. But he also said, don't, he also said, don't, pick it up in the morning. Every day, get it every morning, but don't store it. Just get enough for today. And the scripture says he did that to teach them to trust him. But he said, sure enough, everybody tried to get a whole bunch and they put it in jars and stuff and to keep it till the next day. And when they opened it, there were maggots in there. <laughs> you know. And God even said, why don't they trust me? Well, they finally figured it out after 40 years. Remember, the manna didn't quit till they get to the promised land. Every day. All right, here we go. They scratches for their daily bread. But your heavenly father knows your needs. He will always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Hmm, it's Jesus. Okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? I'm tired of worrying about my finances. <laughs> I'm tired of worrying about this bill or whatever. Look at this. So don't be afraid. Notice he just said, make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you. The kingdom, now notice all of this is related to your personal self. It's not a group thing. It was you, 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 you. He says, sell what you have and give to those in need. Just think about those around you. Yeah, but if I give this away, you know, wait a minute, I got the kingdom of God. I know what's going to happen. I'm not going to go broke. You won't. This will fatten your purses in heaven. Really? Well, I'm in on it. It's just like benefits at some company. Of course, I had to... Review that if you give up to 3%, they match it 100%. Well, look what this is. Boy, they're going to match it. You give up something, praise the Lord. You're, look at this. And the, purses, and the purses in heaven have no rips or holes in them. Your treasure there will never disappear. No thief can steal them. No moth can destroy them. 
Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and your thoughts also will be. Yeah, what's my focus? That's why he said, look, just think about the kingdom of God. And he says, be prepared, all dressed and ready, for your Lord's return will be from the, uh, your Lord's return from the wedding feast. Okay, then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. Remember, Jesus is coming back. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, that there I am, there you may be also. And I will come again and take you to myself. Okay, whatever. You'll be with me. Okay. There will be great joy for those who are ready and waiting for his return. He himself, look at this. See, we don't get this sometimes. We do not think that's a function of God. God doesn't do that. Oh, he, <laughs> he himself will seat them and put on a waiter's uniform and serve them? I don't think so. That's ah, because I hadn't been reading the Bible. He will do that. Jesus loves me. And serve them as they sit down and eat. Indicating we're going to eat when you get to heaven. Of course you are. Jesus ate after he was resurrected. He ate bread. He ate fish. And then he cooked dinner a few days later. Uh, he may come at 9 o'clock tonight or even at midnight. But whenever he comes, there will, what did he say? There will be joy uh, for his uh, servants who are ready. Everyone will, would be ready for him if they knew the exact hour of his return. Uh, just as they would be ready for for a thief if they knew when he was coming. But remember, thieves don't check in. Hey, I'll be there tonight. Well, no, you don't know when they're coming. So be ready at all time, for I, the Messiah, will come when, you, when least expected. Makes sense to me. He's not going to tell me when he's coming. He wants to see what I'm going to do. Well, Peter asked, are you talking just to us or to everyone? The Lord said, I'm talking to any faithful, sensible man whose master gives him the responsibility of feeding the servants. If his master returns and finds that he has done a good job, there will be a reward, and his master will put him in charge of all he owns. But if the man begins to think, now think about this, is what, what am I supposed to do? It, we're, love one another, okay? So that's where he's going at here. Well, the man begins to think, ah, my Lord won't be back for a long time, begins to whip the men and women he's supposed to protect and spend his time at drinking parties and drunkenness. Well, his master will return without notice and remove him from his position of trust and assign him to the place of the unfaithful. And he will be severely punished. Well, that ain't good. Uh, for though he knew his duty, uh, he refused to do it. But anyone who's not aware that he's doing wrong will be punished only lightly. Much is required from those who much is given, for their responsibility is greater. Look at this. I have come to bring fire to the earth, and oh, that my task were completed. There is a terrible baptism ahead of me and how I am pent up until it's accomplished. Wonder what that is. That's going to the cross. Actually, in a matter of days, he's fixing to be crucified. Do you think I've come to bring peace on the earth? No, rather strife uh, and division. From now on, man's families will be split apart. Three will be in favor of me and two against. And you've probably seen this. Man, my cousin just, we played together as kids. I'm just making this up. But man, they don't want anything to do with me today. They, they think I'm crazy. Oh, okay, really? From now on, families will be split, three in favor, two against, or perhaps the other way around. A father will decide one way about me, his son the other. The mother and daughter will disagree. The decision of an honored mother-in-law uh, will be spurned by her daughter-in-law. Wow. Then he turned to the crowd. When you see a cloud coming, beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. You're right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be... Uh, oh. A scorcher, and it is. Hypocrites, you can interpret the sky well enough, but you refuse to notice the warnings all around you about the crisis ahead. Why do you refuse to see your? Uh, why do you refuse to see for yourselves what is right? If you meet your accuser on the way to court, try to settle the matter before it reaches the judge. 
lest he sentence you to jail. If that happens, you won't be free again until every last penny is paid. All right, real quick, let's keep, keep rolling here. Look at this. At that time, now remember, about that time, remember, remember where he's going. This is like, what? He was informed that Pilate, now who's Pilate? Well, he's going to stand before him. You know, Pilate's going to try to free him, but look what this guy did here. Now you got to understand, the Jews and the Romans, did, they were at each other. And the, Rome, the Jews were servants to the Romans. And the Romans didn't trust him. Boy, Pilate, he just let them have it. Here, look at this. He had butchered some of the Jews from Galilee as they were sacrificing in the temple in Jerusalem. What is that? Well, it sounds like just as bad as some stuff that Putin may be getting into. Now look what Jesus says. Do you think they were worse sinners than other men from Galilee? Well, a preacher told me that one time. When I wrecked my car, you know, that God was trying to tell me something. Oh, really? Let's see what else he says. Is that why they suffered? Look at Jesus' answer. Not at all. What? Yeah, but I thought everything's under the control of God and he decides. No, he said not at all. And don't you realize that you will... Oh, excuse me, I missed something. No, no, I'm, I'm getting to it. Okay. Uh, don't you realize you'll perish unless you leave your evil ways and turn to God? That's basically just... Come, don't, don't worry about... I'm not perfect and so I guess something's going to happen to me. No! You just come to... We just got through singing, I'm broken and you heal me. When I'm in trouble, you rescue me. You're on the right boat. You're fine. Not at all. You too will perish if you don't repent, you know. Okay. Then he uses... Oh, I missed one. Excuse me. We'll get that part. Okay. And what about the 18 men? Here's another news event. 18 men who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Well, that's because they didn't have the engineers we have today. Listen, we don't... We always think we're the smartest ones around. 200 years from now, there's going to be people saying about us, oh, those people lived in hustle. Oh, God, they were just hicks. They didn't know nothing. We went to the moon. Well, They died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? Look at that. Again, no. Not at all. But he says, look at this. He does hinge to it that it's going to happen to us if we don't repent. Repent. What the heck is repenting? Look, just stay close to Jesus. That's all it is. You're never going to, you'll be chasing your tail thinking you've never repented. You'll hear stuff like unconfessed sin. You really can't find that in the scriptures. It says, yeah, you can. It's in 1 John. Well, go back and look at 1 John. 1 John says, he says, if we say we have no sin, he's talking about everybody. See, some people are like, well, I don't, I don't go to church because sin's just a religious thing. We are guilty. The whole world stands guilty before God. We have to admit, i got to have a Redeemer. So that's what he's doing. It's not like, oh, he's, he's taking his last breath and he forgot to repent for something he did the other day. He's doomed too bad. We build these air castles and that's not true. It's not true. It's not true. Jesus never said unconfessed sin. You know, he didn't use that phrase. Matter of fact, you, he's so general here, you know. Anyway, he used this illustration. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if he could find any fruit on it. He was always disappointed. Finally, he told his gardener, cut it down. I've waited three years. There's not a single fig. He said, why bother with it any longer? It's taking up space. We can use it for something else. Give it one more chance, the gardener answered. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention, plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs the next year, fine. If not, I'll cut it down. Okay, wow. Looks like it's mercy. 
this is just normal Christianity. And if you're sick, man, please be reading your Bible. One Sabbath, as he was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a seriously handicapped woman had been bent over double for 18 years and was unable to straighten herself. That's back trouble. That's longevity. That's a long time to be sick. I'd have just given up by then. No, don't. Calling her over. Now, wait a minute. Maybe she was one of these people up here that, you know, why did that, uh, why did Pilate have him killed? And maybe she should have died in that tower of Siloam. No, uh uh-uh. He called her over. Look at, he says, woman, you're healed of your sickness. No, it it, had happened yet. Well, remember, Jesus is the same yesterday and forever, and he's calling her this. He's planning on this. He touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she, oh gosh, you know she did. She was having a fit. But here's that group again. The local Jewish leader in charge of the synagogue. How blind. And this is where Jesus was trying to help these guys. We can't be like the prodigal's brother. Wow, I can't believe he'd come back home and you had him a cookout and you gave him a ring and shoes and, oh, dad, you're crazy. Can you imagine that? He's angry and this woman, he had to know her. How you doing, sister so-and-so? <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> well, she's faking it for 18 years. I don't think so. He was angry about it because Jesus, look at this. It was just a stupid, well, it can't be done on a Sabbath. Oh, Jesus has nailed them on this over and over, and he's going to nail them here. Look at this guy. Just always oh, preacher mode, isn't he? There's six days a week to work. He shouted to the crowd. Oh, please. See, they did, he... This guy wanted to invalidate Jesus. There, those are the days to come for healing. Oh, well, why didn't you heal her? Oh, mercy. But the Lord replied, look at that. That's right, you hypocrite. Hypocrite. You work on the Sabbath. <gasps> Wait a minute. Look, he nailed him. Don't you untie your cattle from their stalls? See, he, Jesus knew this guy had cows. On the Sabbath, and you lead them down to water? What a nut. What a nut. Look at this. And he says, and is it wrong for me just because it's a Sabbath day to free this Jewish woman? Actually, this, this actually says Abraham's daughter from the bondage in which Satan has held her for 18 years. Oh, this shamed his enemies. And of course, all the people, they all went to another church. You know, they were happy. Anyway, all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Now he began teaching them again about the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It's like a tiny mustard seed emphasizing tiny here. It looks like, I don't think going to church is really, yes, it is. I don't know about this Jesus stuff. Yes, it is. Tiny mustard seed planted in a garden. Soon it becomes into, it grows into a tall bush and the birds live among its branches, indicating it's all, it'll take care of itself. Just like he said, remember, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't worry about the eat and all this kind of stuff. It's like yeast kneaded into dough, which works unseen until it's risen high in light. Hmm. He went from city to city, village to village, village, teaching as he went. Always, here he goes. He's on his way toward Jerusalem. Someone says, well, hey, will only a few be saved? He replied, the door to heaven is narrow. Work hard to get in. For the truth is that many will try to enter. But when the head of the house has locked the door, it'll be too late. If you stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. He'll reply, I do not know you. Well, we ate with you and you taught in our streets, you will say. And he'll say, I tell you, I don't know you. You can't come in here guilty as you are. Go away. 
Whoa. And there'll be great weeping and gnashing of teeth as you stand outside and see. Yeah, but those guys are dead. They're not dead. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets within the kingdom of God. For the people will come from all over the world to take their places. Look at that. That's you and I. All over the world to take their places there. And note this. Some who are, des- or who are despised now will be greatly honored then. And some who are highly thought of now will be least important then. Look at this. This is the end of this chapter. We're stopping. A few minutes later, some Pharisees said, hey, you better get out of here if you want to live. King Herod's after you. Remember, you had Pilate up here, Herod down here, and some other places like states, whatever. I think Pilate was over the region. Anyway, look what he says. Herod's going to kill you, whatever. You go tell that fox. Boy, Jesus calling people names. Yeah, don't worry about that. Sometimes you might need to call somebody a name, you know. I will keep on. See, he's the same yesterday and forever. Casting out demons and doing miracles of healing today and tomorrow. And the third day, I'll reach my destination. Well, he's on his way to Jerusalem. For it wouldn't do. Look at this. He knows it. For a prophet to be killed except in Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that murders the prophets. The city that stones those. Look at that. Sent to help her. How often I wanted to gather your children together even as a hen protects her brood under her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Now, let's be on the good side of this since we're not on the bad side. That's the way God is. He wants to protect you. He wants, man, you are, Psalm 91, you're underneath his wing. And now your house is left desolate. Well, let's think about us. Your house is not going to be left desolate. Anyway, let's keep going. And you will never see me again until you say, welcome to him who comes in the name of the Lord. Wow. Man, mm. that was when Jesus is, he's actually talking about when he comes on that horse coming back again. Wow. Okay, we'll pick up with 14 next time. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We just thank you, Lord. We see that, praise God, if even Jesus in the midst of trouble, he was still healing people left and right. So if we're sick today, we're, <laughs> we know it's no bother to you to help us. We believe you. Take care of our bodies, Lord. Lord, same thing's true financially. You said don't worry about the bur- oh, don't worry about food, drink, all this kind of stuff. You'll take care of that. Hallelujah. We're of more value than a flock of sparrows. And Lord, if it's something else, something big, just dogging our trail today, Lord, we got to have your help. Get us out. Get us out. Rescue us. You're so good at rescuing us, and we just thank you for it. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to go make notes and tell us about the great things you've done for us as we tell them about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.